welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 24th of January 2016, entitled Walking with God. And the Bible readings are taken from Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, and Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Amos or Amos, whichever happens to be in your Bible. Uh, some pronounce it Amos, some pronounce it Amos. At uh, A M O S, so uh, the uh, prophet Amos. And then uh, while you hold your finger there, uh, back to the book of Revelation, chapter 3, we'll be reading verses 1 through 6 there. We'll begin in the book of Revelation. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's word as we read from his holy word, Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, And I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Then Amos chapter 3, verse 3, a simple question is asked, can two walk together except they be agreed? Father, again, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you'd meet with us as we now look there, speak to our hearts as only you can. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. We sing songs oftentimes about being with God and walking with God. I wonder if you've ever really given a lot of serious thought about what it really means to walk with God. What does it mean when the Bible talks about walking with God? You see... It's not just a pie in the sky, something that we talk about that is not a reality. The first thing that I just want to remind you this evening is we think about walking with God. You see, so many times we go for a walk with someone because we enjoy being with them. Anybody ever went for a walk with somebody that you hated to be with and you just wanted to walk with them anyway? (laughs) You might have been on a walk with somebody that you didn't care for, but it's not usually because you chose to be there. You choose to be with somebody because you enjoy having that time together. So many times in our Christian lives, though, I'm afraid that we, we have this in our minds of God being way out there somewhere, you know, on his throne in heaven. We forget the reality, even as we touched on this morning, that God is a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's God. It is Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us 
in the person of the Spirit. God is with us. He's not a million miles out there in heaven somewhere, a billion miles out there. Yes, he's on his throne there, but just as surely he's with us. We sing sometimes about each step of the way. We, we sang this evening about walking with him in heaven one day. And of course, we walk with the Lord. That is a very special time. When you love someone, you enjoy going on that special walk when you can just maybe just hold hands and you can just talk and you're there. You know, I honestly believe that's what the Bible is speaking of when he talks to us about praying without ceasing. It doesn't mean that we sit around with our eyes closed all the time and our hands cupped under our chins, pray without ceasing. We would never do anything else. But what is he talking about? I honestly believe that, that that's where he wants us to be in communion with God, walking with him hand in hand. So our relationship so dear that, you know, it's like when you're walking with someone, you don't have to call them up on the phone to see if they're busy. You don't have to call them up to see if you can go. When you're walking with them, they're right there. You just turn and you speak to them. We find that the relationship that we have with the Lord is one that we should enjoy with his nearness, being near to us all the time. Is walking with God, is that just a figure of speech or is it something that's real? Well, as we read here in the book of Revelation, I want you to know, first of all, that is, there is the possibility of walking with God is real. First of all, we find that as Jesus is speaking to this church here at Sardis, of course, with, as with most of the churches, he makes it very clear that he knows them, he understands them. He is encouraging them to, to be watchful and to, to strengthen those things which remain. We talked this morning about the importance of contending for the faith of not being led aside by those that maybe call it knowledge and, and science, but it's just falsely so-called when it departs from God's word. He's telling them to strengthen those things which remain. But of course, he goes on to Say to them there in, in verse 4, Thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now, where is that walk taking place that he's talking about there? When are we going to be in white? When are we going to be spotless? Of course, in heaven. That is a promise that we have of a walk with the Lord in the future. We just got through uh, singing there a while ago, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. Well, we have a distinct promise of walking with God himself in heaven. Jesus here is talking specifically about those that have not defiled themselves, which we'll speak of it, those that have not been led astray, those that have not left him. To defiled means to be dirty, to be stained. We find that he said there's still some among you, even though that the church has drifted, there's still some there that haven't defiled themselves with sin, haven't defiled themselves with this world. And he says, I want you to know something. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. There's coming a day when we will be in white, when we will be sinless, when we will be able to walk through the very streets of heaven with our Lord. But I'm talking about, we know that is a future possibility. But what about the practice right now here? 
You see, the Bible itself tells us that the possibility is real, that one thing is for certain, is that we will walk with him one day in heaven when we are in white, when we are worthy, when those sins have been gone away, when we've been given that new body, if you would. We will walk with him there. But I want you to see the practice of walking with God, not just the possibility, but it's a real practice. We have... We have at least three of the patriarchs in the Word of God. Turn back with me, first of all, to the book of Genesis, chapter 5. The Bible specifically speaks here not of a walk with God that is promised to us in heaven one day, but notice what he says here in Genesis, chapter 5. Let's begin reading in verse 21. It says, And Enoch lived... Sixty and five years, and begat Methuselah. So Enoch was sixty-five years old when he had a son called Methuselah. And Enoch, what does it say? Walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. He was sixty-five years old. He had Methuselah. Another 300 years, the Bible says, he walked with God until he was 365 years old. And the Bible says in verse 24, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So, yes, there is a possibility if you are a child of God, if you will one day, be able to be clothed in white because of your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is definitely the possibility that is real that you can walk with Jesus in heaven one day. But Enoch walked with God while he was still on this earth. Enoch walked with God. The Bible says we know at least from the time that he was 65 years old until he was 365 years old. The Bible says he walked with God. And, of course, then he was not. He literally was taken out of here without ever going to the grave, a very unique experience that he got to go through there. Six generations after Adam, Enoch was literally the seventh generation from creation that we talked about this morning. He was born something like 622 years after Adam was created in the Garden of Eden. He was actually living on the earth at the same time with Adam for something like 308 years. They walked on the same earth together. Now, this one that he gave birth to, he says he was the father of Methuselah. Methuselah is the oldest recorded life on earth. He lived to be 969 years old. I don't think I'll make it that far. <laughs> I don't think you'll make it that far. But at the same time, I plan on living a whole lot longer than 969 years once I'm out of this place at least. But while he was a young man for his day at 365 years old, that's a young man still. 69 years before the birth of Noah, that was his grandson. God took him. God just took him out of here. He and Elijah being the only two that had that privilege of leaving this earth without having to go by the grave to do so. After the birth of Methuselah at 65, 
He lived another 300 years where the Bible describes him as walking with God. And let me tell you something. When this man was walking with God, because sometimes we get the idea, yeah, but things were different then. Things are different now. He didn't have to live in the society that you and I have to live in today. You know, it's so much harder today to walk with the Lord. Well, folks, if you read your Bible a little bit, you'll find that society was so wicked at the time that this man was walking with God that it was sometime after that that God had to destroy it with the flood because they became so wicked. Maybe because he was different. The Bible doesn't tell us why that he was transported to heaven without dying. The Bible does give us a, a bit of insight. If you look in the book of, uh, of Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible tells us this in verse uh, 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he, what? He pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So I don't know a whole lot of reasons of why that Enoch was translated out of here without having to go by the grave. And I don't know a whole lot of reasons why he's one of the few that the Bible talks about walking with God during his life here, during a time when this world was very, very sinful. There's never been a society on the face of this earth when sin and wickedness hasn't been a problem. I don't know all the reasons, but I know one thing according to God's word. Uh, it was by faith. <laughs> faith. Faith, just like it takes for you and I to trust and ask the Lord to forgive us for our sins. That faith that we live by day by day by day when we trust him to step with him. There was something to do. This man was a man of faith. And as a man of faith, he was described as one that walked with God, the one that was translated from this earth because he pleased God. And if he pleased God, it had, he had to have faith because he said it's impossible to please God if you don't have faith. You look just a few pages over in your Bible, the same book that we were took a reading from this morning, just before the book of Revelation, the book of Jude. He tells us there in, in verse 14 and 15, it says, And Enoch also, the seventh... From Adam, that's seven generations we talked about, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. What was that? Enoch, the seventh from Adam, he prophesied, saying, The Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I got news for you. When he talks about with ten thousands of his saints, I plan on being one of those. <laughs> I hope you do. You see, 
Enoch was seeing, he was prophesying, he was seeing into the future when Jesus Christ himself was coming back to this earth to judge this world in righteousness. But he says he's going to have all these saints coming with him that's going to come back. And they're going to come back with him when he comes back to set up his kingdom upon this earth. Enoch walked with God. I just want you to grasp that God gives you the distinct possibility to walk with God. Yes, he does in heaven one day when you'll have your sanctified body, but also it's possible to do it here upon this earth. Enoch did. There was another one. Look back in the book of Genesis again, chapter 6, the very next chapter. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah, what? Walked with God. Noah walked with God. This was three generations later, ten generations from the time of creation that we talked about this morning, something like 1,056 years after creation. 69 years after the translation of Enoch out of here, Noah is born. Scriptures tell us absolutely nothing of him until he was a young 500 years old. But when he began his family, he had three sons. I guess you could say he was a bit of a late starter when he didn't have a family until he was 500 years old, but... That wasn't an old man in his day, but he had his three sons. And we know how wicked that the world had become. So wicked that God brought a worldwide flood as his judgment against this sinful world. The Bible tells us that a cause for their unrighteousness was all kind of things. Intermarriage of God's people with the world, do we see that happening today? <laughs> God's people intermingling with the world. At 600 years old, Noah enters the ark and his family is on board. For how long? Do you remember? One year and 17 days. Oh, yeah, it rained for 40 days, but it took a while for that water to go down. Amen. <laughs> so if you work it out in a Bible, I think you'll find that it was about one year and 17 days that they were on board that ark. Well, the Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness amidst a very unrighteous world. If you notice what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2, notice what he says in verse 5. It says, And spared not the old world but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Folks, this man stood and preached his heart out, warned the world of God's judgment that was coming. They just laughed at him and they mocked at him. Who is this fool that's out here building a boat in the middle of dry land? <laughs> Water? They're talking about water coming out of the sky. They'd never seen anything like that before. It had never happened. It hadn't rained before that time. The earth was watered from below up until that point. 
This guy is totally off his rocker. You see, he knew what God knew. God knew him. He was trying to preach to these world, and just as today, they think we're a bunch of idiots. They think we're a bunch of fools. They think that we're talking out of our head, but we're trying to warn them, yes, judgment is coming. But God doesn't want you to be judged. Just as he gave and offered the ark, and that day he offers us the ark of safety in the Lord Jesus Christ today. In the midst of moral darkness like this world had never known, Noah, a preacher of righteousness, somehow shines forth amidst all that. It's been said that the greatness of the task assigned to him has seldom been fully appreciated as we read about it and read about what Noah went through and what was asked of him. A man to be totally surrounded by such a mass of ungodliness by such a mass of godless unbelievers. They would come to see his work, attracted by, by curiosity as to what this, this crazy man's doing now. They would scoff at him and make fun of him. He was made a laughingstock of his day, literally, not by just a few, by all of society, by all of them out there. He had to maintain his faith amidst all that. He had to work on year after year at a task which did seem to indicate that he'd gone mad. <laughs> and after preaching for all those years, how many converts? Zero. Nobody believed his message. Nobody was listening to him. He, his wife, his three sons and his three daughters-in-law got on that boat. Of course, they took with them the world's greatest assortment of pets that was ever gathered together in one place, two of each kind. They would enter that ark alone, one family, nobody else, the laughingstock of the world amongst a sinful, ungodly world. This also said that... <laughs> Considering his surroundings, considering the magnitude of the work that he was asked by God to do, considering the many, many years of faithful preaching and hard working without seeing any fruit whatsoever, that we would be hard-pressed to find another individual anywhere in Scripture or anywhere in life to surpass this man in simple, persistent faith. We think it's so hard sometimes to stand up for our faith. I'm saying, look at this man, that when everybody else thought that he was nuts, a just man, a righteous man, blameless in his time, the Bible also tells us, if we look back into the book of Hebrews once again, notice that, again, back to that great faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, notice what it says there in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. It says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things 
Not seen as yet. <laughs> I mean, the things that God told him was going to happen, nobody had ever seen them. Moved with fear. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. It was by faith that he did what he did, and it was by faith that he got his inheritance. He became the heir of righteousness, which only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, walking with God... It is a possibility that will be real one day if you're a child of God in heaven. But I want you to understand, walking with God is possible in this life. Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God amidst so much sin and such a wicked world that we would have trouble describing it. Now, there was one other man that the Bible tells us, walked with God. And if you look into your Bibles into the book of Malachi, you'll find that the Bible mentions someone else. Malachi chapter 2, and notice what it says beginning in verse 4. And ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant. Now, do we have a covenant? Do we have a promise? Do we have a testimony? Yes, we have the new covenant. My covenant was with him of life and peace. And I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth. And iniquity was not found in his lips. And he walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Levi walked with God. He said there in verse 6, He walked with me in peace and equity. Now, Levi was born some 50 years after the death of Noah, even though that it was a 1,000 years after Noah's birth. <laughs> Levi is the third son of Jacob and, and, and Leah. He's one of the 12 sons of Jacob. His life certainly didn't begin very righteous, <laughs> Remember, he and his brother Simeon both deceived and murdered a whole city after their sister had been seduced by one man. They went and wiped out the whole lot because of what they'd done to his sister. He also shared in the hatred of his brothers towards Joseph. He was part of the plot when they sold their own brother into slavery. And we know that some years later, along with the rest of his family, things were made right over the way they had wronged their brother Joseph. And somewhere along the way, things were also not only made right with Joseph, but they clearly 
were made right with the Lord. You see, it was the Levites, Levi and his descendants, that became the guardians of the sanctuary for God. They were there to, to preserve the law of Jehovah God and to see that all of its requirements were complied with. They were the ones that God used to dispense his judgment in accordance with his law. They were like the royal guard of the sanctuary, a royal guard like no other. They were responsible for guarding it and opening it and closing it. They were responsible for making all the preparations for the sacrifices. They were responsible for leading the music during worship. In general, to see to all the needs of the sanctuary, they were assisted by temple slaves for some of the more menial tasks, but it was the Levitical priesthood that had that honor of serving the Lord in such a way. Verse 6 says, he walked with me in peace and equity. You see, Levi didn't start out perfect, but we find that somewhere along the way, he got things right with God. And when he got things right with God, God gave him such a tremendous honor. He was a man that walked with God in this life. You see, Jesus promised those in that church, yes, one day those that have not defiled themselves, they're going to walk with me, clothed in white. But he was making a promise that others had already experienced here upon this earth. But do you remember that other verse that we read there earlier from the book of Amos, the Bible said, how can two walk together except they be agreed? How can two walk together except they be agreed? I ask you that question. You know, it's not a very pleasant walk if you're walking along with somebody that you're arguing with all the time, <laughs> that you don't want to be with. How can two walk together except they be agreed? There's one thing that we find in common with all of these three men that walked with God here, they were in agreement with God. Even though they may have made mistakes in their life before, they were in agreement with God. We find that they were men of faith. They believed and accepted what God says. You see, agreement has got to be established if we're going to walk with God. Agreement has to be established if you're going to walk with God in this life or the next life. You'll never walk with God in heaven if you don't agree with him in this life. And you'll certainly never walk with him in this life if you're not in agreement with him. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, we can look all through the Bible. We can see all kind of things. But the first thing you have to be in agreement with God on is you have to be in agreement on sin. You see... I said, first of all, that there was a real possibility of walking with God because Jesus made the promise. I said, secondly, that 
There was the practice of walking with God that is portrayed to us through individuals within the Word of God that amidst all the sin and this world, they were separated to God. They lived for God. They were men of faith that lived by faith. And according to Amos 3.3, thirdly, I'm giving you the prerequisites. If you want to walk with God, a prerequisite, this is what is required pre, before walking with God. You can't walk with God. How can two walk together except they be agreed? Agreement in sin. It is all about agreeing with God in sin that will first bring us to our knees, knees of repentance. That's what repentance really is about. You see, it's when we begin to agree with God about our sin. God's known it all along. God's seen it all along, but we suddenly agree with him, yes, that is sin. I am a sinner. Agreement with God about sin. Agreement with God on the Savior. There's only one Savior. There's only one remedy for that sin. When we become to agree with God about our sin and who we are and our sinfulness and we turn from that sin, there's only one Savior to turn to and that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. If you think there's anywhere else to turn, you'll never walk with God. To walk with God. You need to agree with God about your sinfulness. You need to agree with God on the Savior, Jesus Christ, the one that died for you to pay for those sins. You need to agree with God on the Scriptures, <laughs> on the Word of God. Every one of these men were men that the Bible declares they walked by faith. They pleased God. Without faith, you can't please God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We said this morning so clearly, this is the authority this is a book that is the authority of God's word himself. It is God's authority, totally, completely, every word there. If you don't come to agree with God about your sin, about the Savior that died on the cross for you and rose the third day, about his word whereby that you can come to know that Savior, you'll never, ever walk with him you need to agree with God on separation. It's not a very popular thing nowadays because, you know, we're just supposed to go out. And, and folks, you know, you know that I love preaching on love. I try to talk about love every opportunity that I can get. But the Bible has much to say, too, about separating ourselves from the sin of this world. In 2 Corinthians Chapter 6, he tells us beginning in verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. 
And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, if this is the case, as a result of this, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. I'm not saying that's easy. Matter of fact, it's very, very, very hard and it's even more difficult. He doesn't say that we hate those people. He said we have got, you know, once we recognize and agree with God about our sinfulness and we turn from that sin and we agree with him about the Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he accomplished for us, and we agree with his word. He's the one that in there tells us that all have sinned. He's the one that tells us in there. For by grace are you saved through faith. He's the one that tells us in there that he doesn't want anybody to perish. We have to agree with him on the fact that you can't, you can't, it's impossible to hold hands with Jesus and walk with him and hold hands with the world at the same time. We can't do it. He's asking us here, what, what fellowship? How, how can these things be? Come out from among them and be ye separate. Yes, we've got to witness to them. Yes, we've got to love them. Yes, we've got to share the wonderful gospel message with them. But we don't go out there and play in the mire and the muck with them. We don't go out there and join in in their sin. We don't go out there in those places that will draw us away from the Savior. You see, if you walk with God, Enoch, amidst all the utter wickedness of this world, he was still a righteous man. He walked with God. He could have walked with the world. Noah, he stood alone. Nobody else with him. But he was a righteous man that chose to separate himself from this wicked world and to walk with God. Levi, he stood apart with Moses there when all the rest of them were falling around the golden calf and worshiping it. Levi wasn't part of that. And walking with God, their lives were separated from the world around them, even though they may have fallen and stumbled and made mistakes before, they chose to walk with God. They were in agreement with him. Sin, the Savior, the Scriptures, separation from this world, even on the sentence, judgment. That's tough. You know, why is it? I've asked this before, and we'll be coming back to it as we came back this morning and trying to review and bring ourselves back all these things in Genesis to tie them together. Why is it when we think of judgment, we tend to always think of the negative? of the punitive, of it being bad, when judgment can just, just as much be good and positive and what's good. You see, what we've got to realize is that God is the perfect judge. They leave us in no doubt. God can only judge one way, and that's in righteousness, right. He does never, ever, ever get led astray by somebody tricking him. <laughs> somebody hiding their sin. God always, he's the only one. He's the only one that has all the facts, the genuine facts. 
He knows. You see, what comes down to it is this, is that the Bible even talked about these men having a, a fear, a reverential fear, a respect for God for who he was. Because at the same time, you got to realize, at the same time that God was judging this world as so ungodly in Enoch's time, he judged Enoch a righteous man that he took out of here, took away from it. At the same time that he was judging this world for all their sinfulness, so much so that he had to send a worldwide flood to wash it out, he was still judging Noah and his family to be saved, to be righteous amidst it all. We find that with Levi, the same thing, even there with the golden calf, at the same time that God was judging the nation of Israel for their idols, for their false worship, we find that Levi, God judged him to be worthy to put into a position to guard and watch his sanctuary for him. You see, we have to agree with God. What God judges right and what God judges wrong. There's no arguing in this. <laughs> so many times we want to ask, well, that's not so bad. <laughs> that's not going to hurt me. That's not going to hurt anybody else. One of the things that breaks my heart is the way that we take advantage of God's grace so many times. You see, we probably wouldn't be so careless if when we went astray, God just, boom, sent down a big lightning bolt. Ben, I'll wipe you out. Boom, you're gone. I bet if you saw a few people getting, boom, zapped out of here beside of you, you'd be walking pretty straight. <laughs> but see, God's God of grace. God loves you. The problem is then we think, well, this is not so bad. God loves you. I see so many people that really love God, that really want to walk with God, and yet I see them being suckered in by the world, <laughs> being pulled in, a little something here, a little something there. That's not so bad. That's not going to hurt anybody. This is not really sin. That's not really sin. May I say to you, if you want to walk with God, how can two walk together except they be in agreement? You're going to have to agree with God on sin. You're going to have to agree with God on the Savior. You're going to have to agree with God on the Scriptures. You're going to have to agree with Him on separation from this world. And you're going to have to agree with God on the sentence, on the judgment that He passes on what's right and what's wrong. You know what? I've got one other. I'm sure you could list some more if you want to. You're going to have to agree with God on the sermon. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about the sermon that I'm preaching now. I had something broader in mind. I'm talking about the sermon that you preach every day of your life. You see, a sermon isn't just preached with words. It's preached with our actions. What are we saying to the world? What is the world seeing in our lives not everybody is called to get in the pulpit and preach a sermon from here. But I want to tell you something. I promise you this. If you're walking with God, 
your life is going to be a walking sermon. You can't walk with God and it not have an effect on this world. You see, these men, they didn't just speak it. They did speak it, but they lived it. They did the things that seemed crazy to the rest of the world, the things that made them a laughingstock, the things that the world didn't understand. I'm saying to you, our lives should speak loudly to the world around us. Yes, we can proclaim the message with our mouth, and we should, but we need to proclaim it with the life that we live. I promise you, folks, if we're walking with God, these men, that yes, they did it, they were men of faith, but you know what? All three of those that the Bible declares walked with God, their lives made a difference. Their lives made a difference in this sinful world. Their lives spoke loudly to the people around them, whether they believed it or not. Matter of fact, in, in most of the cases, the world didn't believe what they were saying, but they were steadfast. They practiced what they preached. They were living lives. It wasn't just going around saying, yes, I'm a Christian, and yes, I believe people could see by the lives that they were living. They weren't the same as the rest of this world. They didn't believe what the rest of this world believed. You see, we ought to all want to walk with God in this life. There's no greater place to be. <laughs> There's nobody greater to be with. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven. We can walk with him now. And hopefully we'll walk with him there as well. But how can two walk together except they be agreed? You can't walk with God if you're not willing to agree with him about your sin, about the Savior, about the Scriptures, the Word of God that he's given us, about coming out and being separated from this world around us, about the sentence of judgment that he passes, and about the sermon that we both speak and we both live. He tells us. He's the one that tells us where we're headed. <laughs> we don't know when we're going to get there, but he tells us how to get there. He doesn't leave us in any doubt. We don't know the time, but we certainly know the place. He tells us all that we need to know. My encouragement to you this evening is, do you want to walk with God? Do you want to walk with God? That wherever you need to get in agreement with him that you're not already. You see, if you're here and you're not saved, do you agree with God when he says all have sinned? All have sinned? You can take all means all. All means that you can take your name. You can put it right in there where it says A-L-L. -L. I can put in L-A-R-R-Y. Larry has sinned. You can put your name in there. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us compared to the perfect righteousness of his glory. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Do we believe that? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. These are the simplest truths that we have to come to know and understand and agree on. The Bible says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. <laughs> what do you believe in your heart? This evening... 
You need to agree with God on your sin. You need to agree with God on the Savior. Jesus died for you. We've all said, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the only access. That's the only way to get there. For by grace are you saved through faith. There's only one way to get to God's grace, and that's by faith and believing him. There's no other way to get access to it. It's there. But you can only get there to experience it through faith. Agree with him. Agree on what he said. Christians, are you walking with God? I know. Praise God. If you're saved, you will walk with him in heaven one day, but wouldn't you like to walk with him tonight? <laughs> wouldn't you like to walk with him tomorrow? Wherever you're going, whether it's work or school or cleaning the house or cooking the meal or doing whatever you got to do, wouldn't you like to be walking with God while you're doing it? Can. We all can. You can. God wants us to. He created us. He was there walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. He wants to walk with you wherever that you go. Do you agree with him this evening, Father? I thank you this evening that, Lord, certainly as I was looking at these verses in this passage, that you reminded me that sometimes in this life we can, we can get to feeling a bit lonely. We can get to feeling a bit down. We get feeling sorry for ourselves because nobody else seems to care. We get feeling down because we don't feel like that anything that we're doing makes a difference. Lord, I thank you that in your word, you promise us that, Lord, if we're not defiled by this world, then one day we will. The only way we'll be worthy is through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way that we're going to get that fulfillment of that promise to walk with you in heaven. Those that are not defiled, those that have on the white robes, they'll walk with you there. Lord, we know that can be us, but we must begin that walk with you here. And Lord, these are such simple truths in your word, by faith, by agreeing with you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand the only way we can walk with you is to be in agreement with you. Whether the world agrees with us, it doesn't really matter. Lord, sometimes even as your children, we can't even agree with each other. Lord, I pray this evening that you'd help us. Help us to know that we're walking with you. Help us, Lord. Be our strength. Be our guide. Be there, Lord, to know that, Lord, when we're walking with you, our lives will make a difference in some way. We may not see it. No, I never saw one conversion, all those sermons. But, Lord, we still read about him today. His sermon is still being preached today. His life is still mattering today. Help us, Lord. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. 